You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is presented by Citizens Bank of Edmund. Citizens Bank of Edmund has been serving Edmund since 1901. They pride themselves on investing in the community and are here for all your personal and business banking needs. For more information, go to mycitizens.bank and follow them on Instagram at citizensedmund, as well as Go bank there because I bank there too. It's been a fantastic personal experience for me. I've had my podcast account there now, my podcast business account there now for a few, four years now, I think. And it's been fantastic. So definitely worth your time. They're a great group of people and they're always there to answer the phone when I forget my password because I seem to forget it daily. Um, So yeah, go to Citizens Edmund and um, check them out. It's been awesome. Uh, Just because... it's, it's my, I mean, if you, if you come find me in real life, you call me whatever you want. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk about, I mean, my, my family. Yeah. I'm sure they are pretty good. It's, it's a family nickname. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, my, my, my extended family's called me jazz my whole life. Okay. Are we recording? Yeah. Just Great. Like records. Yeah, so, yeah. My, my family's called me jazz my whole life. Okay. Uh, when, when I was growing up, uh, you know, pre pre verbal era, my cousin Conrad, who's just a couple months younger than me, couldn't say my name. He called me Jaskin. Okay. And it pissed me off. <laughs> like my name is Jackson. Yeah. And, and with my aunts and uncles, they thought that was kind of cute. So Jaskin and they'll still call me, call me that, but it became jazz. And I've been jazz for my family for a long time. All right. And, uh, and that turned into, you know, if you ever caught me at cookies, karaoke, I'd be jazzy on the yeah. mic. I'd okay. always be jazzy at cookies. That was my karaoke name. You're, you're the second person that's kind of referred to cookies in the last month and a half that's been on the podcast shout out cookies uh, i mean best karaoke in the city right i've the, never been i need what? to now, now that you're the Dude. same i mean you know you know this too if one or two people kind of recommend place you're like i should probably go check it out uh, i can't believe i'm gonna get on the podcast talk about <laughs> my journey with sobriety among other things and shout out like the 
cringiest, best, like gnarliest karaoke bar in the city. So it's a good place, you know. We heart, keep it real, right? out. Yeah, exactly. So we were just saying, I, I just before we started recording, I just asked you, um, you know, it, it was Jackson formerly when we did the podcast in in 2020, uh, episode 218, which mm-hmm. I will link below. People can go and get your story there. Um, up until that point, and now it's Jazz, and so I'm glad you explained that because uh, you know I love family names. Um, you know, pe- people can think what they want, right? If it's just a personal rebrand or an awakening or whatever you want to call it, but no, it was a family name. So it, 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 you know, it, my 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 full name is Jackson Greathouse Fall. My middle name is Greathouse. That's my mom's maiden name, so it's also a family name. I tried I demoed out Great House for a few years. I don't know if I was going by the full three names last time we chatted. But you man mentioned it. I had so many conversations. People were like, oh where'd you come up with Great House? That's such a funny name. That's so, I'm like, no, that's that's my actual name. Yeah. So if you're not gonna if you already think that I'm making up a name, I might as well just go might by well a fun it. nickname, right? Yeah. Right. So Jackson Great House Fall, kind of a mouthful, intriguing but like confusing. Jazz Fall, two syllables, four letters each, lends itself to branding quite well well and that you know that's good enough for me yeah i mean you could have gone full like acronym and just gone j g h r right and just kind of demonicered that yeah every item of clothing that you have in like a gold royale type of because that's one thing we did talk about in 20 in 2020 was the fact that i envy the way that you dress Oh, you're a very thank you. Nazi dresser, and, and I still came in today looking great. So <laughs> Appreciate changed. it. I, I'm, I'm not sure what I was wearing last time. Do you have any? Do you have any notes or? Do you a waistcoat. That? I think. It was oh, yeah. Oh, maybe I was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Era. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Toasty September. I remember we were at the West Village Apartments. We, it was a fun little sit down that we, we got to did. have. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was no rooms available, and now we're in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Shout out to them because they're amazing, and um, I've been a great host. And I love coming here. It's, I love coming here because I love bringing guests here, and you walk in and you're like, "This place is amazing!" I'm like, great. Boom. Show you around later. Yeah, I can't wait spot. to check it out. This is um, awesome. Shouts can, out. They, they have an events venue too, or they are an events venue as well. So most people know this place because they've had a wedding here or a lunch or whatever it is. But um, yeah, fantastic building, great spot. And um, reach out to them if you want to have any event space stuff in the future. But let's talk about you. Um, September 2020, when we last recorded, <laughs> you moved to LA not long after that. Yeah, uh, I was Why running. Did you uh, move to LA? Well, I was. I, I think that COVID got its best of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I apparently couldn't get enough of COVID because I, as, as Oklahoma was loosening its restrictions uh, on, on uh, lockdowns and whatnot, I decided to pack up the old Honda CRV and the dog within it, drive uh, a couple thousand miles down I-40 West to Los Angeles, unpack, move into my new apartment and realize that it was like going back to March 2020, what it was in Oklahoma. They were very locked down on everything. I got out of Oklahoma um, after uh, after wrapping up my time at uh, an agency that I was running here in the city with a business partner of mine. We had been working on some branding projects locally. We, we, we wrapped up those, how do I want to say that song? It was Sophia. Yeah, right? with with Sophia. Yeah, we yeah. so we both went separate ways in December. Naturally, uh, or just like decide like this isn't going to work. We're going to need to go with separate ways. I instigated because I said, "Well, you we want to cut the, this out too." Yeah, it's fine. To. No, we can leave yeah. it in too. The the real story is that my girlfriend broke up with me, and uh, two days later, within the next two days, I decided to. To, to leave Oklahoma. Yeah, I said, I said, look, if this is how it's going to go, I'm, I've already been kind of 
thinking about what's next. Um, I know that I wanted to take a break from the work that I was doing with Fringe and the style of work that I was doing. That's a very specific kind of branding project. My background's in, in graphic design, but I was kind of wanting to move more into a strategic and like tech world was my first love, man. Like startups were my love Uh, is what got me into the, the game in the first place. So I wanted to get back into that and I wanted to, you know, get out to some better weather. I wanted to some, some sunshine. I wanted to, I grew up in Los Angeles, Mike. Yeah. So, so it, to me was a, to, was a move back to the basics. Uh, when girlfriend broke up with me, I, um, probably didn't protest as much as I should have. I just kind of let that fly. And, uh, two days later she called me and she's like, I, I take that back. Or so, you know, like, I, can we like, revisit this? And I, on the phone said, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm moving to Los Angeles. I have a place and I'm leaving on this day, yeah, I got it. <laughs> which felt kind of great at the same time. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. um, no, uh, ill will or anything. Everything works out well for everyone. In the end, I ended up spending a little over, no, just shy of one year in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, and as I'm telling the story to you, I'm realizing that the women in my life have significant influence over the decisions that I've made. I'm, how does this work? That another the, girl the, that I was dating, right? another girl I was dating, said, "Hey, let's go to London uh, over Christmas, and then we can go to Paris because I know you love Paris." And I said, "Great idea! Yeah, let's do that." Yeah. So we did, um, and then I got to Paris, and I said, "Hey." So you know about that us going back to Los Angeles to resume our lives. I'm going to stay here. Actually, I forgot. I, I really am just going to kick it here for a minute. So I did that. Um, and you'd already learned French at this point, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, I spent a year in France uh, when I was 15 years old. I did yeah. a study abroad. So I I was just talking to uh, to my host mom earlier today. We were catching up. Yeah. Um, I say host mom. She's she's uh, she she let me live in her house with her kids when I was 15 years old for a year, she is, uh, she, she deserves the title of mom for putting yeah. up with my, my antics for, for a full school Jackson. year. Good Lord, man. Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, so, so I already spoke the language. It was an easy kind of slip back into that. Um, I've got a bunch of friends in France. It, it felt natural. Um, I, my, my work was going really well. I'd been, uh, you know, I'd, I'd made a transition into working with tech startups and I was doing some work that I was really proud of. Team was growing fast. That, you know, this is uh, spring of 2022 okay. when the market was ripping, man. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think universally there was a kind of a, a battering we all took over 2023. It was kind of, it was kind of a tough year for a lot of different industries. Um, 2022 was fun though. I was, I was kicking it in France. My team was in New York. We had clients in mostly LA and New York and, uh, was doing some really big, you know, got to see my work on a New York taxi cab for the first time and got to see some billboards that I'd done. And like, you know, it's, it's cool to, to see that growth of, of work and to see your, you know, design that you've worked on in, in yeah. the world. Yeah. Cause that's what it comes back to for you, right? Like it's graphic design, it's startups and no matter where you are in the world, you can still do that as long as you have an internet connection. That's right. That's, and that's what it was. Um, Paris is a very indulgent city. Mike, I don't know if you've been before. Uh, it's a, it's a very, um, chill and leisurely city that lends itself to the notion that should you choose to rise at a, at a late hour and get up and, greet the day with a walk along the river you pass those little shops and you pass a little 
picturesque cafe with the, the wicker furniture out front and the waiters with the trays and the bow ties. And you say, oh, I can have a glass of wine. It's, it's noon. That's all right. Yeah. And everyone's like, mais oui, bien sûr, tu peux avoir du vin. C'est normal. It's like, this is fine. Yeah. Turns out you do that enough days in a row, you realize you kind of have a problem and that Paris is really just totally playing into your own insanities of, okay, maybe like once a blue moon, yeah, that's fine. When in Rome, right? Haha, when in Paris, uh, when you're living there, and like me, you're not opening your computer for a week at a time. You're not doing work. Yeah. You are fully li living la vida uh, tr tr tranquilo, tranquilo. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it creeps up. It crept up on me. Okay. And, uh, and um, oh. so, so what happened? Yeah, we can, we can. What was your living situation at this point? I had, I had a really had a cool apartment, man. Okay. It was a really cool place. Yeah. So the business uh, was doing well enough that you had an apartment. Yeah. And just like, it, 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 yeah, it was yeah. until it wasn't, right? Yeah. Like, um, I think that I went out there with this very clear uh, image in my head of like, I'm doing awesome yeah. and nothing can ever go wrong. And, uh, and I, I totally, you know, let, I let a lot of people, I let a lot of clients down. I let a lot yeah. of people on my team down mm -hmm. and I'm still, you know, actively in the process of, of kind of making those, uh, making those amends with, with people because I got so stoked on Paris, man. Like right. what a cool place to live. It was, uh, it was really great. So you go on a Christmas trip with a girl you're dating and she says, let's go to Paris too. And you're like, yeah, I'm staying. I love this place. Yeah. And then like you just mentioned, it kind of slowly eats away at you and it's obviously <laughs> not productive. Um, how, it, how long do you stay? How long do you it, make it last? For? Yeah, it ate, it ate away for in the best way. I mean, it was, it was so enjoyable while, while I was there. And I think, uh, you know, I was there from, from a January to December. Okay. Um, all the seasons. I saw the gamut of it. I saw it all. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the coolest thing that came to Paris in that time? Cause you've obviously, I mean, were you there when the rugby world cup was there or not? I was there for the football world for the cup, football world cup, which was, uh, brutal. Crazy. It's brutal. I was, I was at a little bar. My sister, Alice was, uh, in town. She stayed with me in my apartment for a month and a half. Okay. Um, November, December. Yeah. We, she, I, I had this apartment with a, like a little loft space up, you know, climb up some stairs. It's just like an unfinished, like loft area. So we, you know, she came into town. We went to Ikea, got an air mattress, got the bed set, got some pillows, like right. put together a little bedroom for her up there. And, and it was great having her live with me for a little while. Um, we, it was, it was raining that day of the, the world cup. It was raining that day. I remember so well, um, France was down yeah. the whole, you know, first, you know, three quarters of it. Right. Um, and then they came back and it was like, Oh my God, they're going to, they're going to win this. Everyone was so down and then they were so up yeah. and then they lost and, they lost and it was so brutal, uh, but it was fun being like, you know, out in public at a major sporting event like that. Right. It was, it was cool. And we were there for the whole, not just the finale, but the, the whole World right. Cup. Um, what was the coolest thing that happened while I was there? Um, 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 um. The truth is, okay, 
here's I, I have a fun story and then I have the the real story. Which one do you want to The start? fun story is that one of my favorite groups is a is a rap French rap group called Eau de Zen. Okay. And I got to see them on tour seven times in one year. I was like a little groupie, like I followed them around. And because of that, I got to visit a bunch of towns and cities in France that I would have not normally gone to. So I went to like Tours and Angers and Dijon and uh, Toulouse and like all kinds of like, you know, cool places. In Dijon, I met this like group of, you know, kids in the, in the front row we were like yeah so fun oh this in and i was like hey y'all are y'all are a great bunch uh my birthday's tomorrow y'all want to come up to paris and come to my birthday party yes That's and so they happy. did and we still keep in touch they're a great great group um meeting a bunch of people i mean speaking the language lends itself so well to especially being an american in paris yeah like, you know everyone wants to be friends with the american yeah and when i can hold my own in conversation and my, I feel like I've got, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I like to think I have a certain kind of a sense of humor in English. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have a completely different personality and sense of humor when I speak French, which is really weird for me to like, you know, yeah. tr- tread the line between both. Um, it's cool though. Like, you know, I, I will always love France and I will love Paris. I will love the time that I've spent there. I love the language. Um, the truth is I very quickly and suddenly and in a, in a way that I didn't think could ever affect me, me, um, fell into what became regular and destructive drug and alcohol abuse. And it started off as like, oh, this is fun. Uh, you know, Paris is party city. My friends like to go out. I like to go out. I like to be social, have fun, but I'm going out every single night of the week. Um, and I, you know, I was too involved with all of my own um, internal, you know, world. I, with, with, I, was, I was too involved with myself to ever step back and look at, okay, there's going out on the weekends. There's even going out during the week, but every single night going hard, you know, um, running because if I like slowed down to look at, you know, myself, if I slowed down to look at myself, I think I'm, I was too scared to, you know, confront who I was and who I had kind of become in a lot of ways. I I was losing track of myself in a lot of ways. Um, so I came back to Oklahoma City because, and, and I hope it's okay if I speak candidly Dude, I, about this yeah, stuff on no, the show. I totally agree. Um, um, what was that breakthrough moment before you came back to Oklahoma City? Like, what was that there, like darkest moment? There, there was no breakthrough moment. The breakthrough okay. moment was, oh, I'm going to go get a, a flight back to Oklahoma City um, because Alice, my sister, who was living with me at the time, is doing it, and I was on the fence. And I had some, you know, I, I booked the flight on Chase Sapphire Point. So I like yeah. got, the, got back to Oklahoma with the intention in my head of coming back to Paris. I kept my apartment there. Yeah. Um, maintaining a drug and alcohol habit in Paris is not cheap, man. <laughs> I'm sure. And when you are not doing any work and not really making any effort to 
to further myself and in my career to, to grow or to learn or to contribute or to nurture my creativity in any way, it it uh, quickly causes a, dr- a feeling of a dry pit that um, I didn't want to look at. And uh, I, I was, yeah, I was so, so deeply unhappy. Um, Did your sister know that like you coming back or her being, her moving home was like a, a catalyst to you coming home? I think her coming to stay with me in November was a lifesaver yeah. because it allowed me to take, well, like right. take a step back now. I didn't take much action on that. I was, uh, but, but it, I, and Alice and I have, have talked about this. I, I don't think she'll mind me sharing, yeah. but like, you know, her being there could not have come at a more opportune time. Uh, really it, yeah. it, it, that in a few other, you know, select things were the like make or break life saving happenstancey things that, you know, the past could have diverged in very different ways. I'm grateful that I'm here. Um, you know, I don't want to get too into like the particulars of what was going on. It was just not pretty, man. Yeah. It wasn't fun. And like, you know, I'm a, I'm a happy guy. I'm a yeah. cheerful guy. And that's, that's real. That's me. I love people and I love, you know, life and all this. I love being here. And so to be in direct, um, conflict, yeah when the inside and the outside don't match, uh, that's hard. And right. that's like a discord that's hard to swallow. It's hard to grapple with. And I didn't know how to look at that. So I just kept on like going down a increasingly yeah. more menacing because path. Because at the time it felt good and you, none, you knew it would feel like it would suppress whatever the actual real thoughts of you having like, ah, this is not good, but you know. I heard someone say something today actually where I was talking to someone who has who's been uh, sober from drugs and alcohol for 38 years. And uh, he said, and he's old, you know, but he said like, I, you know, drank and drugged for 20 years so that I could feel how I feel right now. It's like, oh, right. Because what we're really looking for is like, presence and clarity. And isn't it ironic that I was doing everything, but taking time to be present and clear. We'll get into that in a second. I came back to Oklahoma for Christmas. Yeah. I don't remember much of Christmas or new year's of last year. And I've, I've said that publicly. I'll say that again. I I don't. Um, So, I'll just, I'll kind of keep the story going unless you want to space this out with another question or something. Well, I I was, my question was going to be what did it feel like to come home, but you come home during Christmas, which is a very merry time to come home. Sure. Yeah. It probably wasn't the best time for you to come home based on your current state. And and no one knew, like, you know, I love my parents and I have a great relationship with my family that I'm super grateful for. But, uh, you know, everyone is so much Every, I think I can say everyone's happier turning a blind eye to certain things. Yeah. Um, when it's not, you know, <laughs> like, I, when it's not like something so drastic that you have to confront, a lot of the times I think it's easier to just pretend like something's not there. I'm guilty of that all the time, yeah. you know, in all manner of aspects of my life. You know, I, I think that we all do that to an extent. Like, 
we want to choose the the lighter. This is like becoming a really dark podcast. I don't want to. I don't no, want to be so like. It's not going to so be dark down. at the yeah. end though, because obviously you're here um, today and you're in great spirit. So. Yeah, there's, there's a happy there's ending. A to this. There's going to be a lesson here, and I can't yeah. wait to get to it. Um, so. December, January, February, March. You're still in Oklahoma at this point. I'm here. Living yeah. at home? Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, that must be hard, going from like living the life in Paris and then going the, the path that you went on to come back to Oklahoma after being in LA, yeah. Paris, and then it's like, you know. It was weird. I don't really know. I wish I could tell you what was going through my mind yeah. more. Like, I really do. Um So I still had my apartment with a bunch of my stuff in Paris. I had not gone back to vacate it. I'm sure there were people out there who very much wished that I would vacate it, yeah. but I didn't. Um, I didn't end up going back until April. Yeah. At which point I got all my stuff and vacated my apartment yeah. in Paris. Um, but even that was a weird and kind of jarring experience. It was a very, very surreal. Uh -huh. I was in Paris for 24 hours. Wow. You went back quick and just like, I can't be here long enough. I'm going to go and get this over and done with and jump yeah. on the plane. Okay. Thankfully I had, I had a good friend um, who came down from London with me. So we were staying at his flat in London and we, yeah. we both, uh, we fly down Probably. or we take the, yeah, I guess we've, we've taken the train before, but we flew down that time. Do you feel like you closed the chapter there though? Had you started the sobriety process? Or the nope. sobriety sobriety process. It's a tough one to say. Um, at that point or not? I didn't know that sobriety was an option until March okay. or April. Yeah. I was working uh, on a design project with a friend of mine who brought me in to the project and had shared with me similarities of something we were doing yeah. to a 12-step program that he had worked. And I had no idea. I just knew that every time that we had hung out in LA, he drank iced tea. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it. And it was like over this Zoom call when he offhandedly mentioned yeah. that this had like affected his life. Now I'm in Oklahoma City in March. Not unlike today or yesterday, beautiful day, gorgeous. I mean, high 70s, sunny, no wind. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting outside on the patio at 30th Street Market. Great it's 1 p.m., I've got a beer, life is good. We're on the Zoom call and he tells me about his experience with his own sobriety, right? As I'm like, <laughs> and I've got to freeze. And in that moment, I had this like, oh, I'm totally having a beer on a work call at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah. Oh. And I put it out of frame. I, I took my glass and just kind of oops, yeah. slid, it, uh, slid it away. Um, so you'd think, oh, and then I uh, explored more about, you know, what, what this could mean. I, I, I did a little bit of research on my own. I, uh, and I made the decision that it was time for me to stop drinking. Er, false. No, I didn't do a damn thing about that uh, for another six months. Uh, I proceeded to deny that, even though I knew, and I can tell you, sorry.
I knew the second that he told me that it was like someone had just shown a light in my face. And I was like, Oh, not only does this apply to me, but this is where I'm heading. Like, this is the path that I'm going down. Okay. I knew that. Meanwhile, every like ego, rational, irrational, every conscious part of my mind that is entangled with this identity of Jackson fall that I've created for myself said, pump the brakes, buddy. How how are you going to, you, you wanted to go to culinary school. How are you going to be a chef if you can't have a glass of wine at dinner and you love hosting people for, uh, you know, dinner parties at your apartment. How are you going to do that if you can't serve them cocktails and how da 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 da. And, oh, you love, uh, you know, part of your work is entertaining clients. What? You're not going to have a martini. Your, your logo for your agency is a martini idiot. Like this is me talking to myself. And then I go, oh, the logo for my agency is literally a martini. Like what? My Twitter bio uh, for for my agency was uh, the the champagne design and graphic drinking studio of Jackson Fall. Oh my gosh. You know, like it had like casual alcoholism had become so ingrained in my own identity of who I was. I just never wanted to look at it or think about it. I was normal. Yeah. In the, in the world that you're in, you're normal, right? Not like well. the advertising world that you're in, like that's normal. But I've, I've talked about this with a few point, friends who are also in the advertising world. And we've just all come to the agreement that we've like, we're retiring our jerseys. We've like graduated to hall of fame, speaking yeah. Oklahoma hall of fame. Yeah. Um, no, without, without, with, with, with all seriousness, um, my self, preservation ego mind. I think it was, I think that I approached it from an angle of self-preservation because I was like, I'm not ready for the complete catastrophic deconstruction. And I don't know, hopefully reconstruction of something of like, am I losing myself? Yeah. Was the business at this point still doing okay? Like you building, rebuilding no. the relationships? You're like, well, I mean, are you making money? Like what's no. the scene like at no. that point? No, uh, This is say summer 2020. Um, I have uh, pretty much alienated and lost everyone who was on my team. Summer 22 or 23? Summer 23. Okay. Um yeah, pretty much alienated and lost everyone that I'd worked with, that I was working with. Yeah. Um, because of my own, I was unable to communicate. I was unable to, um, you know, just show up yeah. for the day, you know? I, I wasn't able to um, to log in and, like, be present. Yeah. Um, when does yeah. the, um, when does the, because you went pretty viral. <laughs> Right. Yeah. At a certain point, like that, because that was, um, I remember seeing it because I listened to it on my first million podcast. And they uh-huh. reference you, and I looked back through our text chain, and I think I screenshot it and sent it to you. I was mm-hmm. like, Dude, I just heard you. Yeah, yeah. Your name, like, because yeah. I think the first time I saw it was one thirty-seven p.m. posted yeah. something that an interview you did with them. Uh, that was fun. I went up to New York, and yeah. that was a lot of fun. Tell, yeah. tell that story. Like, how yeah. did that happen? Okay. And how that ties into everything. I'll tie. I'll tie it all in. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. So, you know. I remember where I was when ChatGPT dropped. I was at the Guinness Rock Tavern in Paris at four o'clock in the morning, 
who knows how many pints deep. And I like looked at my phone and this is the place that I would always go to. And I looked at my phone and went, Oh my God, like this is the cool, I saw Sam Ullman's tweet because 4am Paris time was like 4pm Los Angeles or, you know, however it works. I was, it was so cool. It was, uh, and immediately I was figuring out ways that I could like use this in work and like that, that alone, that was November of 22 that that came out. That was inspiring. Like that was a lot. So I'd always stayed kind of at the forefront of that. Um, and I was big on, you know, Twitter for myself, like a lot of friends on Twitter. I, I love Twitter actually. Uh It, um, like Mike, I joined Twitter when I was 12 years old. I've been on that website for more than half my life. I've made friends like lifelong friends because of that app. Um, when I moved to Oklahoma, when I was 12 years old, like uh, that was my number one and only um, tether to a world that I wanted to be part of, which was geographically largely based in San Francisco in the Bay area, but, but was populated by people who were, you know, doing cool things that I wanted to be a part of. Twitter was my way of connecting with them. So I'd always stayed on that. I didn't like, you know, my tweets weren't good yeah. or like I wasn't doing it as a, as a marketer or a networker. Right. But you're, you're, it's a way for you to connect with the people yeah. that you want to be a part of, the people you want to work for, like whatever it is, like that's where you get to. So March 15th was right after ChatGPT 4 came out and I was thinking there's so much more. So everyone was using and, and to a large extent still is using, um, chat GPT for very specific things like help me uh, plagiarize this essay for my ninth grade English class or you know help me turn this piece of writing into a poem or you know the the kind of the textbook things that people use chat GPT for I like to think that I had a small role to play in the broadening of understanding of the general public's idea of what chat GPT was how it was designed and how you could leverage it as a creative bouncing board as a sounding board for ideas um that was that was so far beyond x input to y output going through this black box of like what happens in there so what i said was what i said was you are hustle gpt you have a budget of 100 us dollars that I control, but I will allocate it however you choose with the goal of making as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. So whatever you tell me to do, I will go out and allocate that money and then I'll update you on like what happens from there and we'll just like keep posted. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to live tweet this obviously because that's funny. Like what a a silly little idea, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Because the upside is very good. Could be. Yeah, if you stick to it. Like, if you actually did that, so spoiler alert, it, it works, you know? Like, it's, it, 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 because to an AI language model, um, a couple pennies of return on $100 is more than nothing. Yeah. So whereas, like, a person might be like, that's not worth pursuing because it doesn't move my needle enough, to a robot it with an fun. infinite time horizon, yeah. it's like, yeah, 
everything else. So there, it just it reframes our very human ways of looking at things. Um, and so, surprise, surprise, it blew up. Oh, yeah. I mean, like crazy. Um, How much money did it make? I have no idea. I don't know. Don't know I'll get there. Yeah. I'll get there. Okay. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, but it was so quickly not about that. Yeah. And that was my, my stumbling block. And my, my ultimate point of failure yeah. was that I felt like I had to choose between suddenly being the AI person yeah. or actually just like ignoring all the noise right. and doing the thing that I set out to do. It got like 25 million views in a few days. I got about 130,000 followers on Twitter in 48 hours. It's nuts. I mean, no, like that's unheard of bananas. Um, but it's because it was a really good idea. Yeah. It's a great idea. It was a really, really good idea. No one had ever done anything like it. And what ended up happening was thousands of people did their own chat GPT, hustle GPT challenges. A lot of people stuck to it. Or stuck to it. Failed. Sure. But like, who cares about the people who failed because like you didn't really lose any money. It's not like you deposited a hundred dollars into your chat GBT account and it was gone. It's like either, you know, you allocate or you don't. I don't, I, I just know that there are hundreds of people who set up these like AI co-piloted businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what that meant for me was like, I think what's like the, I don't know. You're thrown in the, in the dungeon at that point of social media, of the world, of AI, of everything, right? You've got all these people reaching out to you for interviews and 130,000 followers. And my, my dad sat me down a couple of days into it and said, he's, he was like an actor in Hollywood. You know, he's like a sitcom actor in the nineties. Yeah. And he was like, uh, don't stop showing up for class. What do you mean? It's like, even the biggest names in Hollywood still go to acting class, to workshop, to, you know, do whatever actors do. I can't really, I don't know. I mean, just kind of perfect the craft. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Reps. What you don't do is you get a big role starring in a movie, lead on a sitcom, series regular, whatever, and stop going to class. You don't do that. You said, don't stop going to class. And I was like, all right, yeah, whatever. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. What he meant was, just because everyone's knocking on your door all of a sudden, and you have, I mean, I was doing like 16-hour days, getting up, doing back like this, back-to-back podcast interviews, um, TV appearances, uh, interviews for online publications, newspapers. Like, it was, it was nonstop. And in the meantime, for a couple weeks, I was still like running the experiment, yeah. posting updates on Twitter. Um, but as soon as I started posting on Twitter about the effect that it was having on me, oh, I'm doing this interview. Oh, we've started this online community. Oh, we're doing like this to like cultivate this world of people who love AI. I have such, well, I don't want to say that. I can have such thin skin, Mike. I care what people think. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I'm so guilty of being such it's a carer yeah. and a comment reader. 
where they say, this guy was just, it was a, it was a scam to get us to join his Discord all along. I'm like, what? how could I have even planned this? Like, no, I just so happened to be like really amazed at the work that other people are doing and like, yeah, I wanted to bring everyone together into a certain place. After a certain point, Mike, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it anymore. How do I say this? I It's intense. I was so overwhelmed. Also, like, within the first month, like, dealing with one in particular, but a couple, like, known scammers who, like, fully ensconced themselves in my operations and like there was just so much politics and drama all i wanted to do was mess around with chat gpt in a fun and public way you know no stakes and uh and i think ultimately what i decided was that either i'm gonna do it perfectly or i'm not gonna do it at all and sitting here on February 27th, it has been solidly 11 months since I've logged into Twitter. Wow. Yeah, man. I did not expect you to say that. It's just a complete, I mean, just not good. It's, yeah. it's on my list of goals um, to get back into this year. Yeah. But I'm scared, man. I'm scared of... Um, I mean, you don't have to read all those DMs, but I'm sure there's a lot. I don't think there really are even, you, you know? Think? I don't know. Maybe there are, like... Who cares, though? Who cares? I think... Um, it's best you don't read them. Probably. So that helped. That didn't obviously help. That fueled the alcohol and drugs as well as everything being in Paris and the whole scene. And yeah. Mentally, not, you know, put you in a pretty dark place. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sent me um, it over the edge in a lot of ways. Because what had I been... What had I been doing was... Sorry, I just got a little burpee from my coffee. Excuse me. Uh, what I've been doing was uh, ignoring, uh, covering up emotionally and turning my back and walking in the other direction from people, from work, from uh, personal obligations, from f- family, from just about every, I mean, everything in my life. It was easier to... What, I mean, when you wake up, and, and this is this is me, like I am fully on here talking about my own special little forms of insanity because it is that. I don't think that I am, you know, exceptional or special in any way. I think that there are millions of people who grapple with anxiety and with uh, undue sense of shame uh, that, that is placed on ourselves for no real reason other than, you know, someone said something mean to you in a bathroom 10 years ago and you haven't been able to get out of your, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I've grappled with tons of, uh, illogical entanglements with my own psyche. That's me telling myself that X, Y, Z thing is happening in the outside world that directly affects me in ABC ways when that really just never actually is the case. Come to look at it. Um, But every morning I would wake up with a baseline anxiety level, Mike. Baseline. Just wake up, it's on. And so, you know, welcome to a day in the life of Jazz Fall over the last 
five or so years, 10 years, it's, it's wake up, go back to sleep, man. Because no one wants to deal with that. Yeah. So I'd start off the day on a real negative note, which is just ignore. By the time I was finally out in the world, um, looking at all of my obligations and work that I'd piling up, people that I had to respond to, people that I really wanted to respond to. But I thought, well, I didn't call them back yesterday. And now it's been another 24 hours. Think about how much more upset they're going to be with me if I call them back now. It is no different, Mike, than my 10th grade English class when I didn't go to class one morning. And the next day I was like, well, I didn't go yesterday, so I would be really awkward coming in today. And then I never went back to that English class. Like seriously, like this good, yeah. this runs deep, man. Like this is a, a personal insanity that I've grappled with my whole life. So I was just in ignore, ignore and run in the other direction mode. And I'd been in that mode in some way, whether it was 10th grade English or 2024 or 2023 AI aftermath or 2022 in Paris with my clients. Um, it was, it was a pattern that I was so tired of trying to stay ahead of because you can't. it was such, it, it was just impossible for me to pretend like it was impossible for me to pretend like it wasn't a hundred percent my fault, you know? Yeah. So for a while you can pretend that it's a hundred percent your fault. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Until something happens, you're like, okay. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. So talk about today then, cause now you're up at 5am doing 5am <laughs> spin classes, taking, you know, cold plunges and you have sands, you know, this new, um, socialize at new standard sobriety stuff. I mean, yeah. I have all ties together. I mean, yeah. Fitness ice bath and, and cycle <laughs> spinning is a, it's a complete 180. So obviously it worked out great. Um, and you're on, you know, you're, you're in a great spot now or much better spot than you were. I didn't, I didn't realize. I didn't realize yeah. that I never had to drink again. Let me say that again. I did not realize that I didn't have to ever drink again. No one has ever put a gun to my head and said, shoot this whiskey or else I'll pull the trigger. Like, no, yeah. it's me. Um, I, my, my, uh, let's see, how do I want to say this? My version of God for the longest time was uh, taking a tab of acid every other Sunday when I was living in San Francisco. And uh, for about 10 years, I coasted on the idea that I'd learned everything that I needed to know about spirituality from that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll just leave that at that yeah, and say that my, my, pers <laughs> my perspective of, yeah, that's, that's your, that's your real right. cliff right there. My perspective on, um, my perspective on my explanation of, and my relationship to God has changed in a profound way. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of the number one thing that changed. Okay. I mean, that is a hundred, that is 
the only thing that's really changed. So that's kind of the power in that. Yeah. Having that relationship really gave you the strength to yeah. turn this around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that I made a conscious decision to stop drinking mm -hmm. and, uh, Luckily, when I stopped drinking, I stopped wanting to take drugs oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> like they all kind of went together sure. for me. Um, and, uh, and then I just did it one day at a time. And, and uh, it started getting better. I started waking up earlier. And, um, you know, personally, I think like whatever works for whatever, you know, whatever works for you works for you. And I'm so early in my, you know, journey with my own sobriety and I'm still finding out more about what sobriety means to me every day. Yeah. What it means to me today is, um, uh, people DM me on Instagram and ask me what my skincare routine is <laughs> instead of, me not showing my face yeah. on the internet because I'm waking up with cracked, dry, red eczema all over my face. I got smooth skin right now, baby. <laughs> I feel good. Yeah. Um, it means waking up, you know, not just with the sun, but listening to birds chirping. Like that was the first thing I heard this morning when I woke up before my alarm, I heard the birds chirping cause it's nice out in Oklahoma right now. I sleep with the windows open, but I heard yeah. the birds chirping. Um, sobriety means uh, having a clean set of sheets and towels in my room and having uh, underwear folded in my drawers. Um, it's the little things that I never took care of before because it wasn't worth it to me. It's, I think, placing a great deal of um, importance on... it's putting a great deal of importance on washing that one plate that's in your sink. Dude. And picking up that one sock off the floor. Yeah, it's, it seems so simple, right? But, but, to, I mean, no, no, but, <laughs> but to you, it's like yeah. it's monumental. It is, right. right? It, to the rest of the world, it's like, oh, why would you, you know, why would you not pick that up? Right. A hundred percent. But to you, it's like, no, because yeah. if I don't, that could be the catalyst. It that spirals to everything. Yeah. yeah. Because I like think, you said in your mindset earlier, what you explained of like, Hey, if I'm going to miss one class, I might just miss them, miss them all. Boom. Right? Exactly. Right. It's that's exactly. what it is in your head. Exactly yeah. that Mike. Yeah. That and was good too, because I haven't either. ever connected that dot until right here, right mm -hmm. now. That's totally it. Right. So it doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. It's just the fact that if you don't do that, mm -hmm. then that, snowballs into not doing a, a bunch of other stuff, which that's the important stuff is the other stuff you forget to do or don't do. And on the inverse side of that, yeah. if I have one beer at 2 PM, you, there's no telling where I end up by 2 AM. Right. You know, it's, it's a one to N a one to many pipeline where, um, I'm still getting my life back on track in yeah. so many ways in so many ways. Um, but I wake up and I have the opportunity to take paths to make choices. Like I am faced on a conscious level multiple times a day, as we all are, I think with either do this 
easy thing or do this slightly harder thing. And I can't tell you a single time before deciding to get sober that I ever did the slightly hard thing. Ever. Ever. I never would have done it. Ever. Full stop. Doesn't matter what it was in regards to. Not doing it. I was taking the easy way out, the lazy chill, whatever's softer and easier, that's for me. Yeah. Everything. Because I didn't realize that there was any benefit to doing a hard thing. What is the benefit to doing hard things? I was watching a guy um, sketching in a notebook and he was like spending five minutes on this. He wasn't moving his fingers more than a couple inches back and forth. Then he like zooms back and those little details were making the whole picture. Meanwhile, I sit down at my sketchbook and I'm going like this, big strokes. And I think there's a balance in a, in a, you know, uh, there's a, there's a balance in a line to tread in, in, in both of those approaches. Um, and I think that there's a balance in, in all of those things. What am I trying to say though, Mike, what am I trying to say? Value in doing hard things. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that value is yet, but, um, I mean, that's okay. But, but also like for you, I mean, and, and for me, the, the value I get out of doing hard things is that if I if I've done something once, I know I can do it again. Right. And so if I've jumped into an ice bath for three minutes, that seems like the worst thing to do for 15, 10 seconds. And you get through that and you're like, I can take breaths and I can get through this. Or you do a spin class, which when you go into a spin class and you see those women move and cycle the way that they do, they're made of rubber and magic. It's, it's like, sure, yeah. It's absurd. No, at 5 I don't get it. As well, right? I don't get like, it. Like, how yeah. do you move like that? I know. But you get through one class and you're like, okay, I'm going to be sore for two days, but I can come back. Yeah, I didn't realize, right. you know, shout out to all fitness. my friends. Fitness who, is just the easiest way to relate Fitness to is it. a great lens to look at it through, though. Yeah. Have you done one of those ice baths before? Brutal. Oh, super brutal. But, but you feel amazing. After so, it, right? I mean, like, I don't know how well you felt being high, but like, it's a high, like oh nothing no, else better. <laughs> right. And last longer. Uh, yeah. It does last. That's one thing too, that the studies say that it does the ice bath, the, whatever the, <laughs> I mean, it's like bath. what a life hack. Yeah. I've only had this ice bath for like a week. I mean, it's funny that you bring it up because yeah. like, I'm, I'm the type of person who tries something new, loves it and makes it my whole personality. Like, that's just what I do. I'm an evangelist. Like I love, I love sharing the things that I love, you know, whatever. Um, this thing is seriously life changing. Like it was on my, uh, I carry this around. This is my 2024 bingo card of my like goals for the year, random things. Um, you know, go to one yoga class is on here. Haven't done that yet. Um, complete the Italian Duolingo class. That's probably my next one that I'm ticking off. Um, one year sober. Like that's like an easy, like as long as I don't drink, that will be something I take off my bingo card. Take an ice bath is on there. Another one that I like on here that I'll just share for the, for the, for the, the, for the lols. Uh, bingo space goal buy a new suit and not stain rip or otherwise damage it like just things that i can do this year that 
then, then I have some other like goals on here. But I loved that take an ice bath was one of the things that I randomly wrote on my bingo card on December 31st of last year, yeah. printed it out, and I had the opportunity to check off this very simple, yeah. yet to me, meaningful goal. You know? Is that something you've done every year? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Come on, man. I have, not had, I have not had the desire, nor capacity, nor uh, wherewithal yeah. to, to maintain anything like a goal. Whose idea was that? Where did it come from? Uh, this is all shout out to my friend Grace Clark, uh, who is one of the most brilliant creative strategists uh, in the world. She is a, uh, she's a branding powerhouse. Okay. Uh, if you, you see Grazza, the olive oil that you squeeze. I'm not a fan of olive I mean, no, but you, but sure. you know the brand. You don't I know. don't. Okay, I don't you don't, you're not the target demographic. She popularized and helped market a very okay. successful olive People oil. People listening are screaming awesome. down at their phones no, now. Like, Mike, how do you not know what that brand is? No, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What, what am I saying? Grace publishes a 20 or an annual goal setting and planning guide okay. that is like, I mean, I'll, I'll send you the link so you yeah, can put it in the show notes it. or something. Yeah. It's like, it's not too late to fill it out. We're only in February. Yeah. Doing that in the, so it's a four day workbook yeah. that she just put out for free. And it's like, you do it on the four days leading up to New Year's. And it has changed my entire perspective of how I approach my work on a quarter to quarter basis okay. with like scheduled, like, oh, it's, it's just good, man. Yeah. It's, it's super, super helpful. Yeah. Le leading into that then has that, I mean, I, mean, I assume already understand and know the answer to this, but how is the impact on your business after this? I mean, the, it's just <sighs> doing hard things now, challenging stuff, running at something instead of running away from something from a business perspective. It's night and day. Yeah. How do I want to say this? I think that one of the things that's the most frustrating about getting sober for me is that my outside world doesn't always immediately sync up with where I am personally. And I've had a lot of tensions. Like I've had some of the highest highs with my family since getting sober. And I've had some of the lowest lows with certain family members since getting sober. Um, I've had to reevaluate a lot of relationships with family, friends, work, um, because clarity goes both ways. I'm a lot more honest now than I ever have been, uh, which I like because yeah. I can sit down on a podcast and talk about all of this stuff that right. four years ago, you weren't going to get any of this out of me, right. you know, even if it was just as, you know, present as a struggle in my life, not nearly as, you know, yeah. compounds, whatever. But I've, I've a level of honesty that I approach, that I take in approach to everything now, I think. Um, but the outside world doesn't always line up with the inside world. And yeah. I keep having to remind myself that that's okay. What I know about my work is that I have never been so creatively prolific in my life vanity moment like if we're on hot ones and I just ate the 10th wing and like I get to turn to the camera and promote what I'm doing right now I mean like 
I am one of the, like, you know, they, how do I want to say this? I'm remembering for the first time in years, I'm a damn good designer and I work really fast right. and I love the work that I do. It's cool to remember that. Like yeah. I'm not the best designer. I, there's so much that I can't do, but at what I do and what I love to do, I'm really good at it. And it is so enjoyable for me. And I'd forgotten about how much I love doing that work, fixing problems, finding opportunities where, you know, where, where you can, where you can share, where I can help someone, because all the work that I do is client focused. Yeah, yeah. I, if I can help someone more authentically share their story, like that sounds so cliche, but at the end of the day, everyone that I work with is hiring me because they have a message that they're trying to get out and that there's a fundamental roadblock or disconnect where they're saying something in some way and it's just not registering. Or maybe it is, but only for a certain group of people. Yeah. Like, that's a problem that I can solve, usually. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's just unsolvable. But usually that is, a, that is a clear problem that can be addressed with a certain number of... Um, algorithms and steps and approaches not to make it so dehumanized but but when you can break apart a problem and address it with creativity and like empathy and human connection that to me is the most fun thing ever so i'm getting back in love with the work that i've always loved yeah because for so long i was so disenchanted with the work i was doing it felt menial and it felt uh like it wasn't impactful uh -huh. And if it was impactful, it was impacting the wrong people for the wrong reasons, motivated by the wrong things. It's like, it's not about that. Yeah. yeah if I can make the, the world, if I can make the world a little bit, little bit more beautiful, in any way, every day, just a little bit, mm. that's good for me. It's a mindset change, right? Because all those things that you think of, like they used to, mount, you know, you go back to Paris and that used to mount up as like, Client PLP calling and projects and just ugh, like I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bad kind of memory there, or that is associated with you know the way that you were going about life. And then now it's the opposite. It's like I love what I do now. I can't wait to get my hands on projects and change yeah. people's lives by doing that. Um, I also think that I just there's so much I don't know, and that I'm going to be able to to bring my, um, you know, approach myself yeah. to a number of new business adventure, adventures and right. ventures, yeah. adventures and ventures, yeah. um, that I don't even know what they look like yet. I mean, I, from, from the conversations that I've had in the last couple months alone, it's like, oh, I would never have seen myself in this business. Yeah. As, as an owner and operator of something that is so remotely removed from everything that I had, again, wrapped up in the ego and the, and the sense of self and identity. It's like, this is who I am. This is right. what I do. It's like, branch out, learn something new. Yeah. I'm allowing myself to learn new things and that's nuts. Um, but overall, I just want to say, here's another sound bite. Yeah. I can feel it coming. Um, my life is so boring and that is awesome. My life is so boring and I could not 
have asked for anything more perfect in a more perfect time because I get to enjoy the little things in a way that I never have before. And um, I mean, less stress, less drama. We all want that, I think. Um, and it's still fun. Yeah. It's still exciting. I wake up every day excited and I have bad days still. We all do. And it's so cliche. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I'm going to say it. My worst days are better than my best days from before. It's true. Yeah. It's so true. My worst days are better than my best days from before. And it's like, this is, where am I at? 148 days? That's nothing. Right. I got the rest of my life ahead of me. Yeah. I'm, learning, I'm learning more every day. I don't pretend to know anything about this. Um, well, you think about that conversation you had with the old guy, right? He's like, I've been sober for, you know, 38 years. 38 years, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got a long way to go, but I know it can be done. Um, Let's finish up talking about Sands because we haven't talked about that yet. And you had a very very successful opening party, if you want to, if if we can call it a party, right? Oh, it was a party for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. Tell tell me about, um, for people listening, what is Sands and and the future of it? Pause for one second. Can I I get you a a sponsored beverage? I would love a sponsored beverage, yeah. Cracking. Brought this for a reason because I gotta, I gotta give these away and promote them. What? So, what is your involvement in said drink that you're about? I to got drink? no involvement. Oh, I got no involvement other than that I'm a huge fan. Okay. Gia. Gia. So, do you like spicy things? No. Okay, then put that down. You don't <laughs> like it spicy? Try open it or I'll try open it. it and try sip anyway. It's not like gonna overwhelm you. He doesn't like spicy. Try it. Sumac and chili. Hate it? No. Hmm. I could sip it. Yeah. So this is this is my this is my segue into loss of identity, mourning my past life. Who am I? Am I ever going to have friends again? Will everyone hate me? Does everyone already hate me? Um, am I a genuinely detestable person or am I just a drunk? I don't know. Um, Figuring it out. Yeah, so uh, I was really lucky to reconnect with some old friends of mine uh, that, I, that I knew from middle school, high school days. Um, or a, a friend of mine who I knew from middle school, high school days in Oklahoma City. Shouts out, class in SAS. Uh, she is also uh, sober. And we were talking about, oh, you know, there are all these cool, like, mocktails and non-alcoholic uh, beers and, like, alcohol-removed wines that are actually very decent. And, like, there, there are so many people who are innovating, truly, in... Um, in the flavor space of, um, of, of, of drinks that, you know, you can look at in the way that like alcohol is a dominant flavor profile. And when you remove alcohol, you're opening up a gateway to a lot more flavors that can come through on something simply. Um, so like, like, let's host a little mocktail party, you know, have some people over, we can get some, you know, cool canned drinks. We can make our own little syrups and spritzes and things. It'll be fun. And then I'm like, but this is you branding mind. Yeah. I'm like, all right, but what if, what if we did it at a venue 
and we gave it a name. What if we called it Sans, yeah. right? That's that's French for without, but like Sans, you know, Sans, Serif, Font, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, sans, without. What if, what if we did a whole evening where the idea was that we can connect more without alcohol, that we can live more without, it's like more without, there's something there. Yeah. Um, and then kind of nailed in the coffin when we thought, okay, well, we could also just raise a bunch of money and give it to a nonprofit. That's like, that's cool too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so off to the races, um, in 30 days, like we, we put up an Instagram account, started making Instagram reels. Um, we've reached like 11,000 accounts in, Crazy. in under 30 days. Like it was just like, Oh, but it's what you do. But it was also this confirmation of, Oh, people really want the option. Yeah. People just want the option. Cause right now, like I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine to a point ordering bitters and soda or club soda and lime or a Coca-Cola on occasion, you know, but it gets so boring after a while. Like what? maybe, maybe it is that restaurants and bars don't realize that there are better options out there. Yeah. They don't because they don't. They, they they get a Pepsi contract or a Coke contract, and then they have their sodas, and that's it. Maybe right. <clears throat> so, what I did for two weeks was I reached out to the Dream Partners, and uh, I'm proud to say on this podcast with you that when I told these national heavy hitters, these paragons of the non-alcoholic beverage industry, what we were doing in Oklahoma City, that we were hosting for the first night ever, a 100-person disco-themed takeover of Resonant Head of Concert Venue in Capitol Hill. They were going to have music and people and not a drop of liquor, and it was all going to be centered around the idea that you don't have to go and get messed up to have fun. Right. And by the way, I love what you're doing. And we're, you know, partnered with the cool nonprofit. You want to yeah. like, can we partner on this? hundred percent across the board. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yes. Because look, these brands don't have distribution or visibility in Oklahoma, which totally makes sense. Like, yeah, you've got, uh, non-alcoholic bottle shops like Boisson in uh, New York and Miami, and you've got the new bar in LA and San Francisco. And what about the rest of the country? Like we don't have a store where we can go in and, and grab one of these off the shelf, right. which is too bad. Yeah. We should be having something like that. But now you're faced with the other problem, which is even if there was a store where I could go and buy these off the shelf, I could probably get a bunch of them cheaper from the manufacturer because I don't have yeah. to deal with liquor laws or anything like that. Right. It's just a drink. It's like, it's like a soda. Yeah. It's a special spicy, savory soda. Um, I love these things. Um, so, so as a person who is curious about the zero proof bevy world, yeah, 
where do I start? Like, whoa, that's intimidating. There's so many options out there. And um, a lot of them are kind of, kind of swill. Like they're well, kind of not great. And I think probably a lot of them just have a zero alcohol option because they have a bunch of other options that are alcohol that make, make the money. Like oh, look, totally. Right? You look at like, you know, the, the non-alcoholic beers that Heineken do or whatever. <sighs> Tastes like banana water. water. Terrible. Tastes like banana water. But they have one to say that they can have one. Yeah. Good. Well, that's and how that's, it feels. At least that's positive signal. I think that sure. we're moving into a space of inclusivity, but then you go to the specialty manufacturers like athletic is a is a beer brewing company okay and like that's a beer and it oh it just so happens to have less carbs less calories yeah. uh and oh also no alcohol yeah it but it's delicious and on a hot summer's day like that is the spot man yeah. like that's I, i'm never gonna not enjoy that right um and there's some people who are, and, and like, okay, I totally get if you are wired the way where if you taste the taste of beer and you want to, you know, go out and hit the club and like spiral and you lose all sense of true north and, you know, stay away from it. Like that's, it's not for everyone, right? A lot of people are sensitive in that way. Um, but if you're not, I think that we, I think that, you know, exploration and you know mixing flavors together and and be, i mean being creative in that way is one of the things that makes life so fun so what we're doing is we're creating a space where people can come together and you know play around in the sandbox of flavor like what are when when there're no how do i want to say this you can play around with flavor because there's no negative consequence here. Right. Don't have to watch. You don't have to really moderate. Like I, I can go out and drink. I don't know if I what's in this 60 calories and like a bunch of like herbs and things, date concentrate and lemon juice and sumac berry, like yuzu juice. I think if I drank like a whole case of these, I might have like a slightly upset stomach from all the citrus, but like, it's no different from going out and like chugging a bunch of lemonade, right. you know, I, and, and it's got a less sugar. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Mike, is that alcohol, no matter what your relationship with alcohol is, it's hard to deny that it is the root of a lot of evil. Um, you know, when I was in Paris one night, I, uh, I fell off, I was, you know, drinking and I fell off one of those lime scooters and I shattered my elbow in three places and I was in a cast for months. And wow. any, any wiser man would have stopped drinking then and there. Yeah. Um, but instead I just took a weekend off happened once not going to happen again it didn't happen again thank god but um yeah my, my elbow's never been the same and it probably won't ever be that's that uh socialized medicine for you which we can get in <laughs> you get what you pay for and i love the free treatment um no I, I i just think that you know so much harm i i have caused so much harm to myself and to people that i know and love yeah and don't know and don't love and, and, and everywhere in between. But 
um, indirectly, directly, meaning to, not meaning to. Um, and alcohol has been behind that, you know? I, what's the other cliche? It's like, I didn't get in trouble every time I was drinking, but every time I got in trouble, I was drinking. I was drinking. Yeah. yeah, like, it's true. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's, a better, there's a better and more fun way. Um, and I love, like the designer in me and the marketer in me loves partnering with yeah. amazing founders. Like a lot of these brands are small teams, like five to 20 people. Um, a lot of them are like female founded, like minority founded, like they're based in Portland and have distribution in a few cities in the West coast and have never been to, um, Oklahoma. You know, we had a beer that was from Chicago that had never been in Oklahoma. Like, you know, yeah. for me, if I get to turn people on, like I, like with the ice baths, right? Like I'm a promoter, I'm an evangelist. Like I love the things that I love and I love bringing people into that world that I have. Cause you know, I, I don't know if something really works for me, maybe it'll work for someone else. And, yeah. um, it only needs to work for one person that's, for you to make an impact. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so we hosted our first party in, in early February. Um, it was a huge success. We sold out, uh, we partnered with Remerge of Oklahoma. It's an incredible nonprofit. Um, donated all the proceeds from the event to them. We got a boatload of amazing drinks Product. donated. We got a venue donated. People latched on. So people the photos, dude. It looked like you had a blast. Did you see what I was wearing? Yes. Oh, man. It I looked was wearing like this. full Blades of Glory. It was sick. It was right? totally Blades of Glory. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, and most um, of Blades of Glory. As it was sparkles from head to toe. I had a, I had a pearl. I was wearing... Uh, I was wearing a, a pearl neck piece. I don't know how you call it. Um, it was a lot of fun though. And people had a lot of fun, I think. Um, so we're going to keep doing events. That's something that I can promise for Oklahoma is we're going to keep doing next. events. Um, you're, you're releasing this on, you're releasing this on Friday. This goes out Friday, March 1st. Great. Um, our first event of March. No, what am I saying? Not at first. Our next event, our second event, um, will be a complete 180 from what you've come to experience at our first event. Um, I wanted to do something completely different from the disco party theme just to show that, you know, we can do it both. We can do it both ways. Yeah. Um, but, uh, if you like great food and live jazz, um, I do like jazz music. Then come to our Instagram page uh, at sands.okc and uh, keep posted there for all updates on all things Sands that are coming in the next couple weeks because it's Mike. It's going to be like back to back. Can't wait. Not just the events, but. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I wish you were doing this. So we, we're going to have to do a check-in later. I yeah. mean, um, I feel like I've been playing such a small role in this uh -huh. that it is like a community of people who have all been aching for one thing, coming together and just propping up this idea that we can 
we can do better yeah. than going out and getting drunk and like, uh, you can do that too. Yeah. But at least let's have the option of something else. Also, can I just say, because the camera's not on Mike, who was skeptical about liking the spicy gone. drink, killed it in like five minutes. It's gone. Just it's crushed good. the gear. It's very good. It's tasty stuff, man, right? Yeah, it yeah it's good. Yeah. And I think the spice is helping my allergies right now. Oh, it clears you right up. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's that sumac too. So we could sit here all day. I know we could. Great. Um, <laughs> people listening are probably like guys come on come on um, yeah hopefully who who uh, are you are you editing these now I will edit these down Ooh, we're, we're, but you yeah. you personally edit these yeah um, how do you do hard things Mike I just that you know that's one thing I, someone told me that the other day someone said like I know that whatever you got you go through in your life you'll be okay because you've done hard things and I never thought of it that way right because it was always just something that like I'd done you know, I I don't think it's a big deal, but people do. Like, I, I run um, an ultra marathon every year, which is 31 miles. It's 50 kilometers, and I've done it every year. I tried to do it every year. The one year I didn't finish it was the second time I tried it. It's in Stillwater, March 15th, um, so it's two weeks. And, like, to me, yeah, it's hard, but it's more of, like, an in, in a mental battle more than anything. I think running is in, in a mental battle most things but not just that like I find strength in doing hard things but it's only because I know that like like I came here and I've said this multiple times on the podcast I came here 13 years ago with my golf clubs and a suitcase <laughs> right as much as it probably wouldn't be fun to go back to that I have power knowing that if I went back to that I'd be fine right yeah and so like I kinda, yeah I kind of draw power from that but also like I generally don't worry about it a lot I try not to because you can't do anything about it um, and doubt is like yeah doubt's not great and people suffer from anxiety and doubt but it, if it all works out then the doubt's pointless and you've just wasted your energy doing something right and it's something I think we, feel, we figure out once we get older like why am I worrying about that and everyone says the older you get the less you care about things right and you never really understand it until you get a little older and you're like I don't care about that I don't care about this like or why was I so yeah. caught up about this one thing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so for me, it's just like, there are a lot of th other things that I could do that are a lot harder, I would say. Yeah. And I've definitely taken the easy road in certain ways. And you know, I said to someone this morning, I feel like my entire life I've kind of cruised, right? Like I've just done enough. And mm -hmm. it's only now that I'm a little older that I'm trying to like do the harder stuff and take the challenge because why not? Yeah. Right. Because like, why not? Like, I know what's going to happen if I cruise, but what, what, what's the possible one thing that chef Andrew Black said on the podcast I did with him. He said, every time I go into a situation, I always ask myself, what are the possibilities? Mm -hmm. And so what are the possibilities of putting in a little bit more effort and doing the hard thing? Like what's possible if you do the hard thing? And then you look back over your life and you, you know, and I do, and I'm like, what would have been possible if I did the hard things more? Where would I be? You might not even be here. It might be somewhere else. Um, so yeah, doing hard things is, it's not only fun, it just builds you and you don't realize it because it compounds. It's the compounding yeah. that I think I haven't even come close to seeing the full extent of yet in my life. You know, we all see it in other people's lives, right? It's so easy to look at someone else and say, well, of course you got there by doing X, Y, and Z thing yeah. over time. It makes sense. 
Okay, well, apply that to yourself. How, how would that change things? Uh-huh. I don't know. Little things every day. Um, the ultramarathons, that's great. That's, it's fun. It's fun yeah. to do. It's fun to like cross that finish line and just be like, I just ran 31 miles in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Do you watch that Casey Neistat video that he just put out? Not the one he just put out. What about, was it? about how he runs. Oh, uh, the it, New York uh, Marathon one that he failed and then got. Well, he, all he wanted to do, goal was just finish in under three hours for a marathon at 26 under three hours for some reason and he ran like you know three hours in one minute like a dozen times like could not get past just to see 259 like could not do it three minutes and 50 some seconds like really truly like that by a minute yeah um and then he did it. So I need to watch it. It's great. No, it's, it's fantastic. I love him too. It's a great, His great videos view. are amazing. Um, mate, I appreciate you coming in. Appreciate you sharing. Mike, thank you uh, so much for having me. This yeah. has been a really fun way to do the afternoon. I appreciate you calling awesome. me out. For people yeah. listening, uh, go to sands.okc on Instagram. I'll post that link below. And also um, send me the link for Grace's end of year. Is it Grace? Right. Her Grace Clark for her, for her annual planning chart. Book. I will. And we'll put that in the description down below yeah, as well. Yeah, that's a good one. So and if anyone has any questions or wants um, to just reach out about, you know, sobriety, sober, whatever their journey is, um, I'll yeah, I think I down as well, and you can talk. I, to I have this vague memory of of saying my phone number at the last podcast. Did you really? Did I do that? I don't. I can't remember. Oh, I think I did, but I've changed my phone number <laughs> since then. So if anyone wants to text me, I'm four zero five five zero eight two six two one. Just give me a text or call. I'm I'm always happy to chat. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. For people listening, uh, check the links below, and we will catch you next episode. Keep an eye on the Sands Instagram for new updates coming very soon. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is presented by Citizens Bank of Edmond. Citizens Bank of Edmond has been serving Edmond since 1901. They pride themselves on investing in the community and are here for all your personal and business banking needs. For more information, go to mycitizens.bank and follow them on Instagram at citizensedmond, as well as go bank there because I bank there too. It's been a fantastic personal experience for me. I've had my podcast account there now, my podcast business account there now for a few, four years now, I think. And it's been fantastic. So definitely worth your time. They're a great group of people and they're always there to answer the phone when I forget my password because I seem to forget it daily. Um, So yeah, go to Citizens Edmund and um, check them out. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening. 
We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.